Hey everyone, welcome to the Love and Truth Church Savannah podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our hope is for these teachings to be encouraging and uplifting and that they would help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, let's get ready to receive a powerful message from Pastor A.J. Fowler. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of John chapter 8, John chapter 8, and then I'm actually going to track back two books, John chapter 8, I'll go back to Luke 13, and then I'm going to Mark, so I'm preaching topically today about saved but enslaved, because there's a lot of believers that got saved and were delivered from Egypt, but they still have some Egyptian mindsets, and there's actually something that's tied to that, and it's not just your mindset. Maybe it's a pattern of life, but maybe it was formed through something else. So that's really what I want to dive into this morning. Thank you, Patrick. Such a great job, man. He has stepped in, been playing keys, and I'm so very proud of him, along with the rest. It's just our worship team is incredible from the booth to the stage. Thank you guys for all that you do. Absolutely. Thank you all. Um, the New Testament, and, and, and what I'm going to be reading in just a few moments, it was written in Greek, and, and, and there's different words, and so when we hear uh, the, the English language is pretty common, so if we say, I love pizza and I love my wife, obviously there should be two different meanings to that, correct? And, and so the Greek is colorful. For one word, it may have seven different interpretations, and they may say them a little bit differently. So it's important that you get the foundation of what I'm about to tell you, because if you don't, you're going to think I'm crazy, and you're going to think, man, he's preaching heresy. You've got to get the foundation right off the front of this. This is a vital message to the people of God. And I say this in light of what we're pushing next Sunday. Next Sunday, we're going to be rolling out our freedom groups. And for those of you that have never been through freedom groups, you need to make sure you can look. Anybody been through freedom groups in the house? Lift your hand. Okay, there's people that's been through it, so there's, it's not just something we're rolling out. It's been happening, and you're, this is really going to set you up to step into that, uh, a little bit loud, step into that and find freedom in your life. Um, so when Jesus steps into the scene on the, in the New Testament, there is this confrontation that he has with the demonic and with demons. Now, let me, and some of you that may not understand this, demons are real, okay? Demons are real. They're not some figment of your imagination. They are real. And they, they come, they, they study. If you were here Wednesday night, it's kind of like the wolf analogy that I talked about, that wolves will, will come around, look innocent and harmless, but they're hanging around to study your every move so that they can pounce on you and, and destroy you. That's their ultimate goal. So anytime it says, and Satan had someone in Scripture, especially in the New Testament, and you'll hear it in a moment, it wasn't necessarily that it might have been Satan himself, but the work of Satan, Okay, so as we read this, get this foundation. And so when Jesus shows up, he begins to confront demons in so many different aspects. Sometimes in a, and then on the Great Commission, he turned to us after the Great Commission and says, now you have authority, go, go. As you go, cast out, heal the sick, cast out devils, do these things as you go. So in, it, here's, in scripture, there is the word demon possessed, and that word is demonizomai, which means demon possessed. Zomai can carry different meanings, but let me bring it to you in two different lights. There is demonic 
possession, which means that there is ownership over that person, no believer can be demonically possessed in, in the sense of where you're owned by demons. Are you with me? When Christ lives here, there is, there, the, he, the, the enemy doesn't have, but on the flip side of this, because it is a Greek word, it, it's, zomai is similar to the same, that also means oppression. So you have possession where he has full control, and then there is the other aspect of that where it is oppression, which you can be under the influence strong of of a demonic influence. Are you with me? Got me? I know that's a hard thing to hear this morning. It's going to be a little bit tough until I flip it to the end, but I want to take you through Scripture. I want to lay the foundation for this. So again, that word... That word possession can carry two meanings, but it honestly means there's possession, which is the unbeliever that is given over fully to the enemy. And many of you have experienced that and has seen that. Then on the flip side of that, there is the oppression. Just have to lay the foundation. That, that means that as a believer, I am not possessed, but I could be oppressed. And I'll, I'll paint that out. Jesus says in Luke 21, he says, by your patience, possess your souls. So now, does that mean I completely own my soul? As a believer, I don't own myself. You've been bought with a price, right? I've been bought with a price, therefore honor God with your body. I don't belong to myself, I belong to God. But by your patience, possess your souls. You have control over your mind, all right? So it's important to understand that. In other words, you gain mastery over. Here's here's two uh, analogies, if I could give this to you. Today, if you left for church, you left your door open, it's your house or a window open, and you come home, and there's a thief in your house. Understand demons are thieves. They're squatters. They don't plan to leave. When they come, it's not just one. They want to move more in. But when you come home and you catch him in the house, he's got to go. I'm, I believe in the second amendment, so I carry. And so they better get out of my house. And so when Jesus shows up in your life, he's looking to remove the squatters. And there's sometimes some want to hang around, and they want to oppress and keep you under the influence of. I could go a little bit spiritual for just a moment, just like the spirit of Jezebel. The ultimate control of a spirit of Jezebel is control. They may come and influence them through a man or a woman, and, and they could be a Christian, but under the influence of under a man or a woman, and they, they're, they're, again, their ultimate uh, goal is control. They may come in as a weaker vessel, and they manipulate because they can't intimidate. Then there may be a stronger vessel. They come to intimidate, but their ultimate goal is control. And it takes discernment and a strong spirit to see, you're not coming in my house, right? So it's, that's what I'm saying. Believers can be under the influence, demonically oppressed by the enemy. And my point is to highlight if there's an area this morning to show you that on this Freedom Sunday, you can be freed if there's something like that happening in your life. So anyway, all right. Um, so in this regard, some believers in the house right now desire to be free indeed. And I'll be reading the scripture they never get free indeed because they don't believe that indeed they can be enslaved. And again, in Scripture, we'll see that. But here, here's what I want to say and ask you a question. Is there any area of your life, everybody, not just for those? Because listen, spiritual maturity 
is, is different. People think, well, I've been, Pastor AJ, I've been in the church since the storefront. You know who I am. I'm one of those, I'm one of the core in this whole thing. Or even goes back to further into Adamsville. I'm one of the core. But you've never spiritually matured. It's a new birth. So you got to mature and you got to understand. You got to be able to live transparent before God and let him put fingers, put his finger on things in your life that needs to be repented of and turned away from. Well, that's just the way that I am. No. Could be tied to something. Could be tied to a demonic influence. I know that's hard to hear, believers. Again, you're not possessed. I'm not saying you are. But there could be something tied and linked to that. So how free do you really desire to be? Because I believe that we can walk in complete, total freedom. But we have to be willing to bring ourselves before the Father and let Him confront us. And speak to those areas when he highlights and says, this is not right. That attitude's not right. It needs to change because I'm influenced by something. Three open doors that the enemy can have in your life. There's obviously more, but I'm going to talk to three areas of continued something. So three open doors. The first one is not given, but it's free, is it's pride. Pride is an open door. Most of those that carry a spirit of religion will be prideful that nothing needs to change in them and they know all things that there is to know about Scripture and all things pertaining to God. That is a religious, prideful spirit. You are ever learning. You're a finite human being and he's infinite. He, there is, there's things still being created because he never stops creating. So how prideful does a person have to be to think they've figured it all out, right? So anyway, moving on. here. So here's your first one. The first one is continued iniquity, continued sin. The word iniquity simply means an immoral or gross behavior or wickedness. So in iniquity, you can look back and say, maybe you're struggling with something. I preach this. There's a QR code on the end of the seats. You can scan that, and it'll take you to a podcast. Blessings and curses that I talked about on a Wednesday night. That, that there's iniquities, which are propensities to specific sins that do not want to leave your you. They want to go to the next generation. And so that is a generational curse, generational spirit that wants to move through you into the next one. A, 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 a person dies, but a spirit does not. It looks to attach. And people say, well, that's just the way grandma was and great grandma. No, that is a spirit and it has to stop with you, but it starts at a place of repentance because iniquity is looking to go and keep going because what is the enemy's main objective? The work of Satan, all of his imps, and they march in rank and file, mind you. I promise you, there's no disunity in the demonic kingdom. There's only disunity in the churches. They are marching in rank and file. They have ranks, demonic magistrates that set up over regions to control leaders and people in those areas, religious spirits and things of that nature. And so it's important and it's very imperative to understand and know your enemy. They come to kill, they come to steal, and they come to destroy. That's what they're coming to do. Now, as I read John 8, I'm going to track through this a little bit and talk about it as I go. It says, so Jesus was saying in verse 31 to those Jews, listen to this. So Jesus was saying to those Jews, what's the next few words? Who had believed. So he's talking to believers, all right? They believe in him. So Jesus had spoken to those Jews who had believed. If you continue in my word, obedience... You are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free or will make you free. It's not truth that makes you free. It's the truth that you know. Intimately acquainted with who Jesus is and as a follower, that continues to produce freedom in your life. All right? 
you come out of Egypt, but you still got some stuff. There's still some Egypt inside. Still some mindsets because you were conformed to the patterns of the world that needs to be renewed. That's why you, you have to read scripture. That's a daily, I don't want to read it. Get in it, be disciplined and follow it. He goes on to say, they answered him. Isn't this just the perfect religious answer? We are Abraham's descendants and have never been enslaved. There's your word, enslaved. Um, to anyone. So how is it you say you will become free? Now, they're believers, and you may be here this morning and say, Pastor AJ, I'm a Christian. I've never been enslaved to anything. I don't have any bondage. If, if enslaved bothers you too much, then just call it a believer in bondage, all right? So if that bothers you, you maybe, and, and there's, but you've just got some stuff in your life. How many of us have things in our life, some, some things we just can't seem to get the victory over, Right? Three, three months, it's like, it's a three-month cycle. Oh, I walk in freedom for three months, and all of a sudden, boom, I happen again. I don't know what come over me. Oh, I know. I know what come over you. I don't know what. No, there's something that hasn't been confronted, and it's an influence. I, I get it. I, I understand on a Sunday morning, people don't want to hear that there's an influence there other than a holy influence in my life. It's a humanistic influence, which when you leave humans to themselves, what is our influence? By default... If it's not God in control, who is? I'm just asking. It's just a question to get you to ponder to think. So freedom is not the time between my sin cycles. It's the absence of sin cycles. It's the absence of that iniquity that I'm not feeding and continuing into. Man, I could preach that for just a little bit. I'm going to keep moving. Then it, again, it says, how, did you, how do you say that we become covered? Has anybody read the old covenant? They're saying, we're Abraham's descendants. We're sons and daughters of Abraham. We're not enslaved and have never been enslaved to anybody. Have you read Exodus? Who were they in bondage to? Egypt. When you read Kings, they were enslaved to the Assyrians. They were enslaved to the Chaldeans. They were enslaved, or was ultimately the Babylonians. I mean, my goodness. They have a whole book where Jeremiah's weeping and prophesying because they, they need to return back to God. You know, so they're in bondage. And even as they're telling this, this is what's crazy, Bryce, is they're under Roman enslavement as they're, ta- they're saying that. Even in the, nation, or in the nation of Israel, they're enslaved by the Romans. So you have to be pretty prideful to say, I'm not enslaved to anybody. What are you talking about? It's ridiculous. Um, I, I was thinking about this in the quote that Pastor Eddie said some years ago. Literally, that's how the Holy Spirit will bring it up. He made a quote, and he said this. We always judge people by a sin we don't create or we, that, we don't, that we don't practice. And so for us to say, well, I'm not them because maybe they struggle and they are alcoholics. But maybe they struggle and there's immorality, some aspect of their life. And, well, I just can't believe that that would even happen. First off, that should never come out of the people in this house. Can I be pastoral for just a moment? You better never be judging anybody else because you haven't looked back at your past and seen where God brought you from. Here's a problem. A lot of people struggle with, um, have their weaknesses and struggles so they come to church and they're battered and they're beaten down and they're scared to go to an altar because they're concerned about what somebody else is going to think. All the while, the people that do are judgmental, which I don't believe it's going to happen in this church. I break it in Jesus' name. But they struggle with gossip. They struggle with slander. They struggle with, with speaking and stabbing knives into the backs of people. I've always heard that the reason why in Scripture they had backbiting is because they couldn't find a knife. So I, I just believe that in the church it ought to 
to be the safe house where those that are struggling in an iniquity and a continued sin that they're bound into, they ought to be able to walk into the house and find the peace of God and a family that loves them and looks to pull them close and not push them away. That's how this church grows over 500 by the end of the year. And I believe it. I believe it. I'm convinced of it. But we always judge people by a sin we don't struggle with. Well, let's take a little bit further. Verse 34 through 36. Pull it up if you would, Miss Sandra. We'll read it. And Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits, that's an important word, a commit, commits sin. This is where I was eternally insecure my whole life. Uh, just a side note. Who commits sin is a slave of sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but who? The son. Can I, can I take this just a step further beyond Christians this morning? If you're a believer, you're a son or you're a daughter. You have a good father. And he's waiting on your return if you have a prodigal mindset. But the son remains forever. So if the son makes you free, then you're free indeed. Now, understand one last time, verse 36 isn't talking about you being saved. He's talking to believers, right? Jesus is saying that you can choose to walk in sonship through obedience and intimacy with him that he's given us. Or you can go back into slaveship. It's your decision. What do you want to do? In verse 34, this is interesting, so I want to break this down. Verse 34, it says that everyone who commits. Now, that word's a unique word. You need to understand commits as we, we hang on that for just a moment. It doesn't mean that as a believer, if I sin, oh, man, I'm going to hell. No, it doesn't mean that. Because I believe that we've been translated. We're no longer a sinner, that we are a son, all right? You've come into the kingdom. Think of that word as committed. You think about my commitment to my wife. I love my wife. I want to spend I want all of my life is going to be spent with her. I want to commit myself to her, right? Um, I may not be committed to doing the dishes as much, but uh, I am committed to you forever. Sorry. Uh, I don't know why God always wants me to confess on the stage. It's not that it's private. Uh, anyway, everyone, this is what Jesus is saying. Everyone is committed Everyone who is committed to continuing in sin. That's a continuance. Or let me say it this way. Because that word in itself in Greek means to formulate a plan. Here you go. Here's the the translation. Whoever formulates a plan to sin is enslaved to sin. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Every one of us have done it. Man, how do I? And you don't say this, but in your mind, you're, you're working out a way that I can scratch that itch, so to speak, that I can stay in it because I love it. I'm tied to it. No, you're tied to it because there's something demonic that keeps you coming back to it, and it has to be broken because it's flesh, right? Whoever is committed to formulate a plan to stay in it, they're enslaved by it. Romans, Paul is talking to believers in the book of Romans, and he, he says this, he says, do you not know that the one who you present yourselves as slaves for obedience, you are slaves of the same one you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of righteousness, or, or, or excuse me, or of obedience resulting to righteousness. Whatever you're committed to, that's your master. And one aspect of oppression is to gain mastery over. The enemy looks to gain mastery over you. When Jesus says, by your patience, possess your souls, he's saying, you need to be the one my spirit can prompt and lead, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna like make you do this or that. It's by choice. We have to make a choice to walk out of continued iniquity and to walk in obedience of sonship in the kingdom because God has a plan. You with me? You're not falling asleep yet, are you? All right. 
I could tell a joke, I would, but I'm just not good at that, and it's very corny. So Paul is speaking to believers in that regard. There are so many symbols in the New Testament where it shows that there's some things in our lives uh, where Jesus comes in and begins to run the thief out. Look at it from this perspective, in oppression. Jesus braids a whip. Y'all know where I'm going with this. He braids a whip. It's symbolic of him coming into your life, but not just coming into your life, him coming back into your life and removing things that need to go. He braids the whip, goes into the temple. You're a believer. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. We get a lot of that here lately. Well, I'm the church. Well, if you're the church, why is all this stuff in you that needs to come out of you, right? I'm the church. I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus braids the whip and he goes in and and, in righteous indignation starts flipping tables and running them out. Same within us. Those are thieves and they're robbers and Satan and his cohorts, thieves and robbers, come to steal, come to kill, come to destroy. I said this last Wednesday night, but Satan never has a merciful moment. Never. His imps... His footmen, his soldiers, his demonic men, none of them ever have a merciful moment. And they never go to war where there's no spoils. Most of the time when people commit suicide, the worst thing that they always say is, I felt like I, was un- I, I, just, I didn't matter to anybody. Why would, it, why would Satan be after people in that regard if they didn't matter, right? I'm just telling you, it's crazy. All right, so what I'm telling you is, is to make no provision for the flesh. Make no plans, in other words. Stop formulating a way to continue in sin because that is a door the enemy uses. We all, look, I mean, I'm serious. Like over this, I pray the Holy Spirit begins to highlight areas of your life that are under an influence that's not godly, all right? It's oppression. And so here's a good way to get out of sin. Believers or unbelievers, obviously unbelievers repent uh, and, and, and begin to give your life to Jesus, but Confess your faults one to another. That's the way you get healed. But scripture says, the book of James, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. That doesn't mean public confession on a stage. There's a time and a place for that with leaders. But as far as brother to sister and man, man to woman, don't do that unless it's your spouse. You find another fellow brother if you're a man or a fellow sister if you're a woman. And you get with him somebody that you can trust. Don't air your dirty laundry to just anybody. Pastor Philip taught me multiple times, AJ, you can make your circle bigger, but you can never make it smaller. It's a simplistic truth, but it's true. So when you've got stuff, and we all do, it's important to find one another. Well, me and God, I understand, and there's a great time for that, but you better have me and another to come together and pray because two or three gather together in his name, he's there. And when you bring it out into the open, that thing loses its grip on you. I'm telling you. Brother to another brother. I, I, I had a moment in my life where um, it's just like everything began to crash down upon me. I don't want to go into a lot of detail with all that, but I had someone that was a friend, obviously Jesus, but I had, I had some friends in my life and I could confess to, and it's a very humbling thing, but as you begin to confess and as you begin to open up and release that, it brings it into the open. They can pray with you. They can be an ear when you need to call and have someone there. All right, all right you got it. Bring it into the open. That's what I would tell you. That's how that you get out of that. Here's number two. You ready? Continued illness. Now. Let me preface this by saying, 
Not every time you get sick, that doesn't mean that there is demonic oppression. We know that ultimately that's where all sickness came from is when man fell in the garden, sin entered in. And what does sin do? Sin is when it's conceived, it brings forth death. We understand that our bodies were at the beginning made to live forever. The Garden of Eden, until sin entered in, they were created for, to, to live for eternity. Like that physical body. That's why uh, that whenever Adam sinned, that, it, that when God breathed into him the breath of God specifically over him, it took over 900 years for his body to die. Did you know that? Think about it. The breath of God. In the New Testament, when the Numa came, when the Ruach of God came, sorry, I have to say it like that to get it all, whatever. When the Spirit of God descended on the day of Pentecost, the Spirit came alive uh, that, by believers, and then they were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak. And then from that moment, we have an eternal spirit, right? You have a spirit, and when, you, when Jesus comes in, it comes to life, all right? And keep moving. All right, so not every time that you get sick, I'm not saying that, please. Don't think that, that, um, that you get sick that, ah, well, I'm, I'm being demonically oppressed. That's not necessarily the case. But there are times whenever there is a sickness that comes and it, 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 it begins to enter in because of a door that we opened up. You with me? You understand that? Sometimes we open doors and things we should never open up to. So in Luke 13, flip over to Luke 13. I'm going to read this decently quick, but I want to show you. Second point, continued illness. Luke 13, 11 through 16, I won't read it all. But Jesus is in the, the synagogue teaching. And it says in verse 11, it says, Now a woman who had, oh, excuse me, now, and there was a woman who for 18 years had had a sickness. What's the next part? Caused by a spirit. And she was bent over double and could not straighten up at all. Now, Listen to this next verse. It says, when Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, woman, you are freed from your sickness. It doesn't say the woman cried out to Jesus, heal me, heal me. She was perfectly used. I'm not saying she was uh, comfortable in the sense where she didn't have pain, but she was comfortable with whatever she had. This is just the way that it is. Well, Jesus sees that and he says, woman, you have been loosed and freed from your infirmity, and immediately she was healed. Now, I want to take you to something to show you in verse 16, because there's this uh, conversation between him and the Pharisees. And verse 16 says, and this woman, Jesus saying, is a daughter of Abraham. That's important. Is a daughter of Abraham as she is, whom Satan or the work of Satan has bound 18 long years, and she has not been released from this restraint until this day. So we see a spirit in a church service uh, oppressing a daughter of Abraham. Can I take you a step further and show you? Am I offending anybody yet? Is, it, is this rough? This gospel, you got to look at the gospel. All right. When you become a believer and you get saved, you become a son or a daughter of Abraham. Anybody ever tell you that? Well, I'm, I belong to God. I got you. Let me read. Verse 7 of Galatians 3. Galatians 3 says, Therefore, recognize that it is those who are of faith, that means put your faith in Christ, who are sons of Abraham. Verse 29. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's descendants, heirs according to the promise. That's why it's important to understand the, uh, the blessing of Abraham was blessed in all things. 
That's why we don't have a mindset of poverty. Can I take a moment and preach on it? That's why if you're bound by just little thinking, that's why you hear pastor get up on the stage and people say, oh, he's just one of those preachers that preach on more money, more money, more. No, we don't do that. We understand that money answers all things and it's important to know that as a believer that God wants you to have resources. The better stewards you are, the more resources come. Come on, Savannah Campus. Y'all taking it in this week? I'm sorry, my brain is processing so fast, so... Think about that. You're a son or you're a daughter of Abraham. That means that I am blessed and highly favored. Jesus came. He paid too high a price for you to have a poverty mindset of thinking. Not just in finances, but in everything. That I'm blessed in presence. I'm, I'm just declaring it. You know what? The devil has already come in like a flood in the month of July already. And we haven't been three days deep into this thing. But I understand one thing. There's a standard being raised up. Faith is beginning to grow. And if there's sicknesses and bodies, I want to make sure that you understand. If it's something that has continually oppressed and afflicted you, there's something trying to attach itself to you to say, well, this is just the way that it's going to be. No, it will not. I declare in Jesus' name that I am the head and not the tail. I'm above only and not beneath. I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed going out. I'm blessed in the field and I'm blessed in the city. I don't care what this nation says. I don't care. I know that it's a repetitive thing because our financial advisors say, hold on, we're going to go through a recession. But guess what? Jesus, you provide for me. This world system does not provide for me. I'll have my bills paid. I'm going to be faithful in my tithe. I'm going to be faithful in my offering. I'm going to make my declarations bold. Even when I don't believe it, I'm still going to declare it and let the guttural roll come out of my spirit and say, if the sun makes me free, I'm not bound by an Egyptian mindset. I'm not bound to an American a story of, of Christianity, the way we want to bind things into a box. I belong to Jesus, and I am a son or a daughter of a king that I, am, I understand that it came through Abraham because he was faithful. So I'll be faithful, and I'll follow. I'm not turning back. I don't care. I'm not going to bow to a spirit of religion. I'm not going to bow to the political spirit that's trying to infiltrate the church. I'm not going to be bound by what somebody says about me. I'm breaking off this, this spirit of whatever it is coming to afflict. I'm talking to you now. I'm breaking off right now in Jesus' name. This sickness that has been afflicting my body. And, and this maybe it's a mental or emotional problem. Well, they told me that, well, uh, that, that I'm going to have anxiety because of it. No, that thing is a spirit. They're trying to get me to settle in and I declare that it has no authority over me. How many people are bound by fear, by worry, by anxiety? How many people are on so many different types of medication? I'm not talking bad if you are. We believe in that according to a, a, a doctor the way they would tell you. But how many of us submit to the world system and we don't give God a chance to, to move? Right? Man, I'm a descendant of Abraham. I belong to God. I'm in the world, but not of the world. So many of us, we begin to listen to the media that has become our medium. And I'll get to something in just a moment. If you give me time to preach, I'll get it all out. The word of God is eternal. I don't know what your background is. Christianity or not, this is what you live by. This is, your, this is your constitution, right? This nation was supposed to be founded upon this. So this is what we live by. 
transgenderism, heterosexuality, outside of marriage, homosexuality, all of that stuff. God is not winking at us in that whole process and saying, well, they'll eventually come around. I believe God weeps in those moments. God is infinite, so we can't figure him out. People say, oh, he's father. Yes, he is, but he's holy. That means he's unlike any other. Why? Why is it that the nation... And we weep, we pray. Come on, church. We've got to become, we've got to be those that will shut ourselves into prayer closets. I'm sorry, I'm on the second point of continued illness, and I'll get to it. We've got to shut ourselves in prayer closets and learn how to break through. How do we, Mom, we pray for five minutes, and then we're done. There has to be some consistency. We are in revival, Savannah Campus. This ministry is in revival. I don't care what anybody says. We are. We got the word. If you can hang on to it in the small times when it becomes great, God will increase and expand and he'll teach you how to walk in humility to carry it. Don't exit out and say it's not because this is not happening that. We're in it. We got the word. The word of God is eternal. It was written before the foundation of the world. And, God ident- and Jesus identifies this woman in this story as a daughter of Abraham. He identifies her as a daughter of Abraham. So, again, I'm not saying that every time that you get sick that there is a, there's a demon that comes to afflict, but there are cases. I don't know, the, I don't know all this stuff. I'm just telling I don't, but I just know here's the explanation. She was a daughter of Abraham, been bound for 18 long years by a spirit of infirmity, a spirit of sickness that had been infiltrated here. And they come to kill, steal, and destroy. Other areas would be just like your health. And if you're going, sometimes they enter in because you go through a difficulty and a tragedy and the enemy finds a weakness. Remember, he's like a wolf. He sits on the backside of your property waiting for that moment when he can pounce on. And when he finds a moment, an open door, I'll go overt for just a moment because this used to be my struggle. When you're scanning your phone, maybe you're on your computer and there's a pop-up that shows up. And it is an invitation to some type of explicit site. And as soon as you click on it, you just crack the door and open up. None of us in this room would look out our peephole of our front doors and see the, I guess it'd be the, uh, the case in point villain or the thief on our front porch with the, with the ski mask and the crowbar. And all. None of us would walk in this, unlock the door and open it and walk away, right? You'd stand guard. But every time that you look at pornography, you open the door. It just cracks. That's all he needs is a, is, a, is, a, is a little bit of the door opened. Every time that when someone gets a promotion and there's something that rises up in you called jealousy or envy and you begin to lash out because you know their past, you just crack the door. Can you not celebrate with someone that has received a promotion? Don't open that door because this is how they come and they're looking to bring others along with them. The good news is, is Jesus dealt with this throughout the Gospels. Every case, you can find deliverance. And could I say this, that I, I failed to mention this at the beginning. The scripture says in Acts 10, 38, that Jesus went about doing good. He was anointed by the Holy Spirit, went about doing good and healing all who were sick and oppressed by the devil. So there was oppression that Satan was bringing upon the believers of God in New Testament. And Jesus came to set a precedent and to establish authority and say it belongs to my people. Not to do, it doesn't just belong to one. It belongs to the sons and daughters. Maybe your eyes haven't been opened to see it, but you have authority over sickness. You have authority over sickness. You have authority over sickness. 
Everybody in section one, because section four is leaving me out to dry. Everybody in section one, you have authority over sickness. I have the name of Jesus. I've been buried in that powerful name. Therefore, I walk in union and intimacy, and no weapon formed against me can prosper. And every tongue that rises against me, demonic or humanistic, maybe being used by a demonic, has no authority. I break word curses, which leads me to one thing that I want to I release to you. Deuteronomy 28, in verse 58, it says that um, if you're not careful, this is the Lord speaking to Moses. He said, if you're not careful to observe and follow everything that I've laid out for you to do, I'm paraphrasing, he says, Check this out. He says, the Lord will bring extraordinary plagues on you and your descendants, severe and long-lasting plagues and miserable and chronic sicknesses that he put on the, the nation of it. Well, pastor, but we're in the New Testament. Did the Ten Commandments pass away? No. Some have thrown them to the wayside, but they have not. They made it through the cross. We need to look and see what made it to the cross and was transformed, which is animal sacrifice, because Jesus became that. What made it through the cross, you have Davidic worship that's mentioned in the book of Acts, and you have commandments, and Jesus added a new one to it. So he's saying, be careful to do and observe everything written in this word. This, it's not an option. If you want to live morally upright and blessed, then you've got to read it and follow it. I'm serious. It's, it, we know we say it's the sole authority, right? All right, I'll keep moving. All right, Acts 19, listen to this. That God, it, this stuff is still happening. Bodies can be healed. At the end of the service, there's gonna be an opportunity. The prayer team's gonna come. If you need healing, deliverance in any aspect of your life, they're gonna be here for you. Acts 19, 11 through 12, it says that God was performing, what kind of miracles? So that means there was ordinary miracles taking place, Right? That's pretty crazy. What, what miracles were taking place at the hand? Well, pastor, but that's Paul. He was one of the apostles. We have seen extraordinary, unexplainable miracles happening in this house. We have. This will mess with some of you, but legs have grown out. We've seen people that had metal plates in their body that could not run, run across the front. I, yeah, explain that. I don't know. All I've got is an experience. You may have an argument, so I guess I trump yours, right? I've just seen it happen. Well, the enemy. That's what they said about Jesus, too. He commands demons. He's, he's the one that's commanding demons to be subject to him. We've seen this take place. It's still happening today. Aprons and handkerchiefs even carried to the sick, and diseases left the body, and evil spirits, evil spirits left. There are times in our lives when we open a door and we don't understand it, and the Lord has to be the one to reveal that We've opened this door. So here's your action step for those of you that want to know how. How do I get out of this? Be humble. Lord, if there's any area in my life that I've opened a door and I did not know it, show me and wait and let him speak. God doesn't speak today. If you're saved, he said, my sheep hear my voice. So you've heard him speak. You responded. And the next part, and this is very vital, Am I believing a lie? Well, they just said that, my, that, that mom died of it, and so it's going to get me too. And so I, I believe that. You're believing a lie. I'm telling you, you're believing a lie. You believe that lie, then you begin to empower the liar to speak into your life. And that's how Satan gains authority or his demonic influence gains authority because you believe it. You believe it right here because the, there is, the mind is a supernatural thing that when it's transformed brings about such an extraordinary increase of faith. All right? 
So ask him, God, am I believing a lie in any area of my life? Well, it's been so many years and I've never been married or this, that, and I find the right person. This, I'll never. Of course you won't. You just curse yourself. You'll never find anybody because you spoke it over you. Be careful what you speak. I'm not trying to point the finger at the enemy and keep him elevated. I'm, I'm just revealing to you this is where he comes in. Number three, you ready? And I'm going to land the plane. Number three is continued influence. Can you take the last one or should I stop? Now, most people are going to say, well, you know, I, I guess I got the mic, so I guess I better keep going. Continued influence, I'll make this quick. In Mark chapter 7, verse 24, Jesus encounters a woman and uh, he's, he's, he's at a house and he's trying to hide himself and a woman finds him. She's a Syrophoenician, and I'll break that down what that means. She's a Syrophoenician that finds him, and she comes to him, and she has a demon-possessed daughter. And she's, been, she's being inflicted by this, by this uh, demonic influence. And, uh, and so Jesus begins to speak to her, and he tells her, he says, Look, um, I, I can't give this to you. I can't give healing to you because it belongs to the children. Again, children. Children of what? Children of Abraham. This belongs to the children first. And this woman, it's very interesting to understand. This woman is not a Greek. She's a Jew. She's a Syrophoenician. She's a mixture. All right? So she's half Phoenician. And, uh, she's, and Jesus is in the area of Tyre, which was formerly known as Phoenicia. Now, this is important for us to understand because Phoenicia is considered by most theologians the seat of paganism that entered into Israel. All right? You want to know who was from Phoenicia? Jezebel. Old Testament. You know what that represents? Witchcraft. Jezebel was a Phoenician married to Abraham that brought occult, witchcraft, false gods, paganism into Israel more than any other person in Old Testament. And Phoenicia was an occult city. It was a city of witchcraft. And she's Syrophoenician. Syro is Syrian. And Syria in scripture means prideful or it points to pride in Old Testament. So you have a Syro, a prideful Phoenician witchcraft, a woman that is prideful and full of occultism and witchcraft, which is why her daughter's struggling, because she's probably got it as well. And could it be that many believers, now get, get ready, I'm about to hit you where you live. Could it be that many believers have a mixture in our lives? We're prideful because we don't think that we can dabble in the occult and it not affect us. We have a Syro-Phoenician mindset, all right? This is the third thing, continued influence. All right, this is how an enemy gets in. Get ready. Pride because we do small things that are cultish and, it, and we think that it won't affect us. Well, I, Pastor Reggie, I don't do any of that stuff. What do you watch on TV? Just asking. But I love Supernatural. It's a great show. I love watching paranormal activity. I love watching these things. It's, it's, I love going to haunted house. I love. It's just for fun. I understand because that's what culture's painting the picture of right now. You crack the door, it's coming in. Because we're celebrating what 40 years ago the nation tolerated, right? Demonic cartoons that we allow our children to watch. Now, I know this is gonna sound legalistic. I'm gonna tell you a story and then I'm, gonna, and then I'm done. Because I'm not, I'm not going any further. I want to, but I just can't. I got too much. We wanted to take Elijah to see a show just recently uh, on television. And, uh, well, not on television, not there yet. Uh, it's a show I grew up watching, and uh, they just recently come out with it. But it had a scene that we didn't want to crack the door to and open up. Um, 
And so I was reading through and I found an article. And in this article, there was a father that was in this show watching this with his two sons. And it came to the scene, and it's a movie that's just released. It came to a scene that the father grabbed both of his boys, got up and walked out of the movie theater and did not stay to watch it. And his children were just so, they were crying, cried all the way home. Dad was trying to think of a way to tell them and explain to them and console them. Well, basically they get home and the dad's like, I'm cooking cookies, I'm fixing cookies. So he starts the process of mixing together the cookies. And some of you probably already read the story, but he took just a little bit of dog feces, just a little bit, and he sprinkled it into the cookie mixture. Mixed it up, he baked it, said it before the boys. He said, now guys, I just want to tell you, before you eat, I took a little bit of, I don't know what their dog's name was, but out in the yard, a little bit of his feces, and I sprinkled it into the cookie mix. That's gross. I'm not doing that. Of course, nobody would do that. He said, that is why when dad got you up out of the movie and we left, we're not going to open a door and allow any type of influence into our lives. And so, of course, for the kids, uh, one of them understood it, and one of them didn't much understand it, but that's the same that we want to make sure that we're protective, protected according to what we watch on television and what doors we open up, even when we're not there. What, what is it that's playing? What music do we open ourselves to? Um, there's, there's video games, witchcraft, sorcery, tarot cards. You guys have heard my story. My grandmother, uh, my dad's mom, but she, she read tarot cards. And for me personally, I'll tell you how I did it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the blood of Jesus, and I repent for the sins of my, of my generation previous uh, tied to witchcraft occultism tarot card reading even if anybody read their horoscopes stop reading your horoscopes by the way yeah, well, I need to know what my future is. They'll, they'll tell you what your future will become because you believe a lie, but it's not God's intention for your life. Stop reading your horoscopes, all right? I could keep rolling. But anyway, Father, forgive me of any of this. I plead the blood of Jesus over my sins. It doesn't mean that, that my family, if, there, if any of them had gone to a place of torment and hell, that they're going to, that's not what that means. It's just, I'm sorry that it happened in me, and I'm coming to fully repent and to turn to you. Read Jehoshaphat. When he heard the law, he broke, he wept, and he repented for what the nation had done. So it's important to do that. And, and, and from that, I just broke every word curse and every generational curse over my life. I don't want an influence hitting my babies. I don't want sinful desires hitting my, my family. I could go on some more, uh, AJ, if you would, come play. Because God laid out in Deuteronomy. If you want to know one last scripture, this is yours. So you write, write it down. Write it down. Read Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12. There you go. Read it and see how God feels about sorcery, magic, witchcraft, uh, soothsayers, palm reading. If any of that's happened in your life, let me speak to you. Repent. Repent. Father, I'm sorry that I did that. I'm believing in a spirit more than I'm believing in your voice to lead me. All right? I mean that. Now, in the room right now, if you would, all over the house, stand to your feet. The first part to moving into complete freedom, and I've talked about, now there's any area of your life that you felt today. Let me ask the question. If you would, bring the lights down, Seth, if you would. Just to make it intimate between them and God. This has got to be you, between you and the Lord. Any area of your life, you would close your eyes. You don't have to bow your head. You can just close your eyes. Is there any area in your life that you feel that you've opened a door in any capacity? It doesn't matter that where the enemy has a, a foothold in your life. Is that anyone in the room who said, that's me, Pastor AJ? I, I feel it. I, I, I can see it. There's hands going up all in the room. 
Right now, prayer team, if you would, come and stand. Come quickly, prayer team. Spread out across the front. You would. If you raised your hand and you need deliverance right now, I want you to come and let one of our prayer team pray over you this morning. And they're just going to pray over you. They're going to pray. The first step prayer team to remember is it's repentance. They have to repent. They have to open their hearts to God and let God begin to speak to them. Let God begin to speak to them. And I want you to pray over them because I want you to see and I want you to find freedom this morning. Right now. Now if you would, you guys, you can come and approach whoever these are here or your prayer team and let them pray over you. Prayer team, if you would. Over here, if y'all move, we've got the majority is over here probably. Just for a few moments here. Today you get freedom. For those of us that's in the room right now, as they're praying over them, we're going to pray over you as well. Father, I pray all in the room, any area in our lives that we have opened a door where the enemy has an influence, we just can't seem to find freedom right now in Jesus' name. We repent for any door that we've opened. And on this Freedom Sunday, if the Son makes me free as a believer, I'm going to be free indeed. Break every chain, break every cord. Thank you for moving in their life right now. I declare freedom over them. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Freedom in the name of Jesus. 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 Jesus. Break those sin cycles, God, in their life as they come repentant before you. Break those areas where the enemy has a hold, a foothold. Maybe it's sickness in the body in Jesus' name. That that sickness has to leave the body. Revelation. Revelation being revealed. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Freedom. Freedom. Thank you, Jesus. Heal and restore. 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 Make sure we get everybody. Prayer team, connect with these. These that's in the altars. In the name of Jesus. Healing. Healing. I thank you for freedom, God. Freedom in the name of Jesus. We're going to continue to let these altars, prayer team, continue to pray. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you are able to take something from this sermon and apply it to your life. Also, feel free to share this with your friends and family. And if you'd like to contact us, you can email us at loveandtruthchurchsavannah at gmail.com. We hope you have a great week.